Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 7. This is one of the songs of Isaiah that speaks about the Anointed One. Now, as you look through the book of Isaiah, you see various pictures of the Messiah. We think of the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And this would be the anointed servant. So it's another picture, another window in what the Messiah would do and what he would accomplish. And you'll notice these passages or these verses when we read them today are going to sound very familiar to you. Jesus in Luke's gospel, when he's in the synagogue, in Nazareth, quotes this very passage. He gets up, and it's really interesting, in the synagogue service, they had something called the lingua continua, which was the continual reading of Scripture. So if you came to synagogue on a Saturday, they would have a portion of the Old Testament you would read from. So typically you would read from uh, the first five books of Moses, and you'd read from the prophets. And to this day, Jews have these sections divided up. We don't know how far back those divisions go. But they are pretty old, and we know the rabbis divided up, uh, and some have 52 sections where you read different segments throughout the year each Saturday in the synagogue. And so Jesus just happens to show up in Nazareth, his hometown, and he is assigned this passage to read. So it's not like where in some churches you just kind of throw together reading what you're going to read that Sunday. It's already predetermined. And sometimes in this predetermined path you would take, of reading through the Bible, you'd read so far on one Saturday and you would pick up the next Saturday. And so it would look something like this. You would go into a synagogue service. There'd be a, a lengthy reading from the Old Testament. Then whoever was reading would sit down and teach from that passage. So there would be kind of like a what we'd call a sermon. Some churches call it homilies. So reading and then a sermon from that passage. So that's what Jesus does. And You'll notice when he does this in Nazareth later in the Gospels, when he quotes from this passage, some people do not receive it well because he says, I've come to fulfill this passage. So this passage is called in the New Testament. When Jesus quotes it, it's called the Nazareth Manifesto. In other words, this is Jesus' kind of manifesto to action. This is what he's going to be all about. So here is the original passage written probably around eight to 700 years before Christ was born. Jesus will quote this passage later in his life and will say, this is about me. This is my mission. This week at Westgate, we're talking about the mission and the message of Jesus. So that's why these readings go along that that line. So in this passage, we're getting a prophecy about what the mission of Jesus is all about. This is a prediction of what Jesus would do and accomplish. So let's read this together. This is Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 7. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 
They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend their flocks. Warders shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in your lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion, and they shall have everlasting joy. So you probably pick up really quick that this is exile language. Isaiah is prophesying before the Jews will go into exile. They are going to be devastated. Their cities will be destroyed by the Babylonians. The temple will be destroyed. They're going to come home one day and they're going to rebuild upon those ruins and things are going to be much better. But many point to this and say, this is not a literal fulfillment of when the Jews return home from exile. This is fulfilled in the new covenant. Let's just think about that for a minute. Let's think about the ministry of Jesus and what he's all about. And if this is the manifesto of Christ, if this is where the Bible is always going, this actually is informative for us today as Christians. If Isaiah is telling us 700 years before Christ, hey, this is the trajectory of God's plan for his people. This is what the new covenant is all about, this manifesto, then maybe we should pay attention to some details. Notice in the first verse, the anointed one, the spirit of God is upon him. So one sign that this person is messianic is the Spirit of God is upon them. Now, in the baptism of Christ, we see that happen literally. He is, in a sense, anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit descends upon him. In some Christian traditions, and I'm not advocating for this, but in some Christian traditions, at your baptism, you're anointed with oil uh, as what's called a a chirism, uh, a giving of grace. And you have this idea that Just as Jesus was baptized in water and the Spirit descended upon him, the anointing of oil is the symbolism of you're anointed with the Spirit also at your baptism. So it's just really a symbolic action. But this idea of Jesus being anointed with the Spirit would say, okay, to the world, this this is the guy Isaiah 61 is talking about. Then he says in Nazareth at the synagogue, I am that guy. I am the anointed one with the Spirit. So this... Spirit anointed one's going to preach good news, gospel, euangelion, good news. And that is going to be good news for poor people. It's going to be good news for brokenhearted people. It's going to be good news for those that are in slavery. There'll be manumission of some kind for those that are enslaved. Now we can look at this and think in every generation you have the poor, those that have been forgotten about, those that have suffered hardships and are in poverty because of those hardships. And many times these situations are beyond their control. Maybe it's a generational thing that they're going through, generational poverty. But Jesus is saying that this is good news for those people. The poor will be cared about and lifted up. Throughout the history of the church, the church has always cared for the poor. We know that it begins in the early church with the benevolence of early Christians. We know it continued through the dark, what's called the quote-unquote dark ages, but through the middle ages. I know from research I did on England back in medieval times, I read strange things sometimes, but in medieval times before the Reformation, uh, churches and monasteries did a whole lot to help the poor, especially feeding them and clothing them. Uh, England was a very benevolent nation. 
uh, for many years in medieval times and continued after the Reformation to be a very benevolent nation. So Christianity has always been a benevolent faith that looks upon the needs of the poor, the brokenhearted, and that's pretty much all of us. Most people have had a crushed spirit at some point in their life. Jesus comes to bind up our broken hearts and to give liberty to those that are captive. Now, we could say this could be metaphorical or literal. There is this metaphor of being enslaved to sin. Jesus is going to liberate those who are enslaved to the, the evil one, the devil. And then the Lord's favor is coming. Now, verse 2 to us of Isaiah 61 is strange because you've got two things happening, favor and judgment. And I've said this before in other podcasts, and I don't want to beat this to death, but we living in the West, I think Dothan, Alabama, have been pretty blessed in many ways. And so God's vengeance on people is strange to us. But there are people living in some cultures right now that are, that are crying out for the justice of God. And so Isaiah says, yes, favor, blessing, what we would call grace is coming, but also judgment. God is going to judge evil. And those are not opposed to one another. We've put them in opposition to each other in our own thinking, but that's not biblical. In biblical ways of thinking, grace and justice are not opposed to one another. And so there's going to be this time of, of mourning will end, no, no longer fasting in sackcloth, but a joyous time. One thing that I find interesting is the nations are going to recognize God's people. They're going to come and join God's people and work alongside them. And then we have this idea that we're going to be called priests of the Lord. That's definitely New Covenant language. We'll be ministers of God. Some have looked to the Protestant doctrine, and especially in the Restoration Movement, the idea of the priesthood of all believers. I think is a beautiful doctrine. It's very much true in Scripture. That we are all priests of God. That in the New Covenant, you know, I don't have some human entity or institution that I have to go through to receive God's blessing and favor. We all, through the blood of Jesus Christ, have access to God at all times. I'm a priest. You are a priest. If you're a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, you are a priest of God. You're a minister of God, so to speak. One thing that I do love about our heritage, and I'm speaking from the Restoration Movement, is we do not have a, a clergy-laity divide. We don't have classes of Christians where Oh, I'm I'm an you know, anointed clergy member. That makes me higher than you. No, I, I'm no different than other people. We all have the same access to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. I think that's a beautiful concept. And I do think that could be what's going on here in Isaiah. That there is this recognition that all these people, from a shopkeeper to a farmer to you name it, like Luther talked about the plowboy with the scripture in his hands would know more than the clergy of his time. We all are priests of the Most High God. What an awesome doctrine when you think about that. Well, I'm going to close you out. I've talked too long today, but this, once again, Isaiah 61, the idea of the anointed one, this is what Jesus quotes in Nazareth. This is what's called by many the Nazareth Manifesto. This lays out what his ministry is going to be about. And it's a beautiful passage and shows us, once again, the heart of Jesus Christ. I hope you have a great day. I hope you come back and join Devin as he leads us forward with more podcasts this week. God bless.